Did Zion's injury throw off the groove of the Duke basketball team from the 2018-2019 season? What would have happened if Cam Reddish actually had more shots? And do we think that they rushed back Zion too quickly? On this episode of Jake's Take, we get to play another what-ifs game, and we get to dive in to the 2018-2019 Duke Blue Devils basketball team. Let's go! Let's go! What is going on, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to this Friday episode of Jake's Take. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Silverman, at JakeSil14, or the professional one, Jake's Take Podcast. And I hope you're excited to play another edition of What If, and this time being with the 2018-2019 Duke Blue Devils basketball year. So obviously, this is probably one of the most exciting teams that we've ever seen in college basketball. You had some of the most well-known, most hyped players, but it was one of those teams that came up really short. So of course, as always, you know, we want to try something new with Friday. So we're going to play the what if scenario. So let's kind of look into it. You know, what if Zion didn't get hurt? What if Cam Reddish, you know, had more opportunities or had more points to score? What if the offense looked different? These are all things that we get to dive into right now on this episode of Jake's Take. So I think with this, the first thing we need to kind of focus on is how dominant this basketball team was. You know, you had three players who were ranked by ESPN in the top high 90s. That's really impressive to look at. You know, you had Zion, you had RJ Barrett, you had Cam Reddish. And the crazy thing too, was that for the longest time, RJ Barrett was actually ranked higher than Zion. So I think with this, you have the talent, you have the excitement, but you were one unfortunate injury away from really an exciting team. I reached out to one of my friends from college, Alex Lang, for some more information in regards to the Duke Blue Devils team. And Alex, knowing many things about Duke and being a fan of the team, provided some really good insights here. So just some stuff that he provided was saying how losing to UNC twice in the regular season, but winning the ACC tournament is a great feat, but they come into this season with expectations of championship or bust. And then Zion getting hurt late in the season with the busted shoe situation, that kind of was a big part of how they might have underachieved. It was an insane season. It was an exciting season, but... You have to look at it compared to kind of what's been happening recently and potentially how it could be affecting some other ideas. The thing that Coach K was doing was he was recruiting players to be one and dones. You were expecting players to come in, they would play for a year, and they would go off to the NBA. That actually ended up hurting Duke more and more as you thought about it. And you look at the players around them or the teams around them and they make these deep runs because they had players who were there for two, three, four years. They didn't have that really in the case for that 2018-2019 year. And I think with this, it's, you know, a different way to kind of break things down. You know, they were a really exciting team to watch. They were a fun team to watch and you saw them having fun, but there are so many potential things you 
need to look at here too. You know, obviously there's the what if Zion doesn't get hurt or something such as what if RJ doesn't take the last shot against Michigan State or what if they get into the Final Four? Do they beat Texas Tech and UVA? It's just a lot of different questions and a different approach. So with this, it's kind of just something where you have to, you know, kind of highlight it. So what's really important to highlight is the year before you had players like Marvin Bagley and he left. And then before that, you know, you had Jason Tatum and then you had Luke Kennard, Gary Trent, Wendell Carter and you had Brandon Ingram, obviously those were the players from the year or two before. They're all leaving after one year. Now, I'm not saying that Brandon Ingram should have stayed for all four years. That would have been really tough. But what if Jason Tatum was still there? What if Marvin Bagley was still there? What if Wendell Carter was still there? Would this team be different? Would they have accomplished more? And that's what's the exciting thing about this. But on another standpoint, Alex does bring up a good point. They are the ultimate what-if team. And there are just things that we kind of have to look at or focus on and say, I wonder what could have happened. And we'll dive into those right away. In a standard Jake's Take quote, we always have to start with, where to begin, where to begin, where to begin? Well, I think the first thing we need to focus on is what happens if Zion doesn't get hurt. Obviously, we all remember where we were when Zion slipped and broke his shoe and ultimately had a sprain with his knee. And we just remember time kind of slowing down and just kind of realizing, oh my gosh, The strength of Zion Williamson is insane. Now, as a New Orleans Falcons fan, I know that that's a different story. But with this, it just kind of basically changed the momentum of the Duke Blue Devils season that year. Zion gets hurt 36 seconds into the game against UNC, a game where Duke ultimately loses, and they don't have Zion the rest of the regular season. And there are all these questions coming up of, will Zion, you know, come back and play? Should he just hang it up? Should he just practice for the combine? And all these are important and pivotal questions. Ultimately, Zion comes back and, you know, they win the ACC tournament and they make it to the NCAA playoffs for basketball. You know, they make it to March Madness and then they lose in the Elite Eight. So let's rewind, you know, let's see what would happen if Zion doesn't get hurt. Does this team win? Does this team, you know, make it further? In a sense, it could happen. You know, before this, before Zion gets hurt, they had only lost two games. They were the number one team in the nation for basketball. So I think with this, they were actually on their way to doing amazing things. They were going to be known as one of the best teams. You know, they had shades of the Fab Five from, you know, Juwan Howard and Jalen Rose. So they could have accomplished that. Now, here's how things kind of get harder. You have one basketball and you have three future first rounders who are there right now. You also had Trey Jones. He's second rounder. Trey Jones is a great player. We'll get back to him later. You had one ball. And you had Zion, Cam Reddish, and RJ Barrett. 
when Zion goes down, you obviously have R.J. Barrett step up. You kind of have Cam Reddish step up. He's another segment too. But you see R.J. step up. If Zion doesn't get hurt, does R.J. Barrett still step up? Does he still take command? Do they still run the offense through him and Trey Jones? Yes. Because when Zion was still healthy, this offense was clicking. Now, do I think that this Zion-led Duke basketball team can still make a run? Absolutely. I think with this, you know, you've got a really healthy Zion. You probably rested him for some of your other games, too, because you have the talent. I still think it's very likely that they make it a run. And I think they even make it a more exciting game. Also, the Alabama fan in me would have loved to see them destroy Auburn. That's another story. But I think with Zion not getting hurt, they actually make a run to the Final Four, maybe even the championship, and win. It's all crazy how someone, you know, breaking a shoe can change a whole scenario. Our next what if is going to focus on Cam Reddish. Now, I think with this... You had some excitement with Cam Reddish. He was obviously a very highly ranked recruit coming out of high school. But when Zion goes down with the injury, you expect to see Cam Reddish step up. And he doesn't really. He doesn't do anything too exciting. Looking at his stats, you know, he made 35 starts. He averaged 29.7 minutes per game. And then here's where it goes kind of down. He averaged 13.5 points per game which was third on the team, and he scored 14.7 points per game against the ACC. You want to know who was number one and number two? It was Zion and RJ. So Zion's out of the picture. Zion's, you know, rehabbing. He's hurt. He's trying to figure things out. And we know that RJ's going to step up because RJ is going to be the main guard. But where does Cam come in? And I felt like there were a few things where Cam doesn't really, you know, come up or doesn't shoot as much and I don't know if it was just how the offense was designed I don't know if it was just something where coach case said I don't want Cam Reddish to do it as much but I think with this maybe he should have gotten some more opportunities I mean he was very clutch in their comeback at Louisville he scored 16 of the team's final 30 points he averaged 25 points in regular season games against North Carolina And he also, you know, shot at FSU, capped a 23-point, three-round, three-assist effort. So he did some amazing things. And he also had a game winner in the final seconds to beat Wake Forest. So I think with that, actually, no, that was Luke Kennard. Sorry about that. But he hit one of the most clutch shots. And it was a three-pointer in the final seconds to stun Florida State on the road, 80-78. We don't talk about that that much. So with this, did we expect to see Cam Reddish step up? I'm sure that we were all kind of looking for Cam Reddish to step up. And I'm sure he did in a way. But also, maybe that just wasn't how the offense was designed. I think with this, you had R.J. Barrett and you had Zion. And you look at all the team stats and who was leading the team with points. And if you look at this, you're seeing RJ or Zion for most of them. You see Cam Reddish, you know, against Boston College. But you're not seeing anything 
where it's saying, hey, you know, we let Cam Reddish be the focal point. What if they had? What if they said, hey, you know, we're going to find ways to where we can switch it between RJ and Cam to see how things go. That actually could have been a lot different. Maybe things could have changed. Maybe they would have been able to handle Zion's injury more. I think this comes back to a lack of preparation for this team. I think with this, it kind of looks at it as maybe they weren't as prepared. And I know no one can really prepare for an injury from, you know, their best player. But with this, you know, you could have unleashed Cam Reddish in a way that people would have seen differently. You also had Trey Jones, who was your point guard. Trey Jones is obviously in the NBA. You had Marcus Bolden. And I know that's kind of an interesting thing, too. But you have to think about this in regards to how you had four future NBA players in your starting five. And then you had some people off the bench. I mean, you had Jack White, who was your captain. You had Javin de Laurier, Justin Robinson, Jordan Goldwater. And I think with this, it's kind of critical to say that you had people, but maybe they just weren't prepared in the way. This also might go back to what Alex was saying about how Duke having this one and done program might not have benefited them as much in the long run. And that kind of caused a down segment or a slide for future Duke basketball teams. Like I said before, another thing I want to discuss is Trey Jones. Now, obviously, Trey Jones comes from a very athletic family. His brother Tyus played for Duke and won a championship. Now, both Tyus and Trey are in the NBA. But looking at the stats, too, this is where things kind of get hard to look at because with this, you know, Trey Jones starts 36 games. He averages nine points. And that's kind of... A little bit crazy to me. I think with this, Trey Jones is dynamic. He obviously came back the next year as the sole returner. That's what's important. And this was a team that was pretty good, but it was also considered one of Duke's down teams. You know, they're always going to have those teams. But in the year where he comes back and he's the focal point, ACC Player of the Year, ACC Defensive Player of the Year, First team All-ACC, ACC All-Defensive Team, second team All-American. So the talent is there for Trey Jones. But Trey Jones is your point guard. So why isn't Trey Jones getting more of those opportunities the way that RJ Barrett was? Well, it can depend. You had two of the best players ever commit to Duke. You had to maximize RJ's talent. This is nothing about Coach K. He's still one of the best basketball coaches of all time. But this also comes back to a lack of preparation. This comes back to Alex saying they kind of got hurt by the one and done. I'm not saying that Jason Tatum should have stayed for his junior year. He didn't need to do that. I'm not saying that Brandon Ingram should have been there. But maybe Marvin could have been there and could have helped. Maybe they had that veteran leadership. You lose Cam Reddish, Zion Williamson, and R.J. Barrett in the 2019 draft, and you keep Trey Jones, you have someone coming back. Obviously, now you're seeing Trey Jones get a shot, but this comes back to a preparation. You had the stars. You had the athletes. 
you have the culture there. You know, you have great coaches. You have multiple players who come from Duke. J.J. Redick, Shane Battier, just to name a few. And you have the players. So do you really think that there could have been a lack of opportunity? Maybe there could have been. But I still think it's important that we recognize players like Trey Jones too because he came back and it actually ended up benefiting him. So the final thing I want to discuss in this episode is if Duke rushed back Zion from his injury. And that's a toss-up. I think with it, people were looking at it as, does Duke you know, need Zion? Do they have to rush him back? In a sense, I feel like it's a mix because you saw what they could do with Zion, but you also saw them play UNC without Zion. And that was what was hurting them. But you look at March Madness, there were some struggles. You know, they had the one point loss to Michigan State. They squeaked out the win against UCF. So I think with this, maybe they did rush him back. Now, I know it's hard. I know you have the talent. I know you have the athletic trainers, but that could have been an impact. You know, maybe they rushed back Zion and didn't know how it would help. And I don't know if this is something where it could have led to more injuries before or after. But that's the thing with Zion. He is a massive athlete. He's big. He's strong. He's physical. He uses his strength and physicality to be dominant. Is that what you need from a power forward? Absolutely. So now you have Zion hurt and he's just a kid. He was only 18 at the time. I think Duke handled it the best way possible, but you also have to look at it as Zion could have said, oh yeah, I'm done. I'm just going to go prepare for the NBA draft. See you later. He didn't do that. He showed that he wanted to be a part of the team and he showed that he wanted to help out in a way he could. So do I think they rushed him back? Not really. You know, I think maybe what they could have done is given him minutes off the bench. I know that probably would not be handled well with some Duke fans, but slowly integrating him back five minutes, 10 minutes, and then slowly adding on. I don't know if they just put Zion out there for 20 minutes and said, okay, we'll see what you do, but slowly integrating him back. Because when you hurt your knee, you know, that's a very crucial part of basketball. You know, you need your legs more than anything. So maybe it could have just been how they load managed him. Yep, that's a load management statement. Or maybe it could have just been how they took care of things. But I think they handled Zion's return well, but there could have been a few ways where they could have, you know, improved on it. And it could have just been time or just the rehab thing. Maybe not rushing him back too quickly or just giving him minutes off the bench could have been the full-time solution. But that is going to do on this Friday episode of Jake's Take. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you see this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, drop a rating. You know, that way we can get the podcast more up to date and get some more listeners there. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music. You can also find us on Anchor at Jake's Small Market Sports Take. I know we're still trying. We're going to see how that goes. You can also find us on Instagram at Jake's Take Podcast, Twitter, Jake's Take Podcast. Our Facebook page, Jake's Take Podcast, and so on. But thank you all so much for all the love and support over the past month. It's been so great getting content out for everyone. 
I still very much enjoy it, and I hope everyone does too. Tuesday's episode is going to be about the New Orleans Saints. It's been a long time coming. I don't know how I've gone this long without covering the Saints, as in I grew up two hours from New Orleans, but I'm so excited. I'm also looking forward to creating some new adventures, some new surprises. So thank you so much for all the love and support. Like I said, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, give us a rating, and enjoy life, continue to live life, have adventures, have fun, make other people smile, be the best you that you can be, and I cannot wait to see and hear from everyone later. Take care.